This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Paul Steinkamp of New Scotland. He wishes that when he was a child, someone had taught him how to fold a piece of paper in half. As he talks about the art and science of origami, which he came to late in life, he sounds like a poet. As part of an international group that meets through Zoom, he learns from folders living in India, Japan, Korea, South America, Australia, Israel, Europe, and England. While he loves the art of folding, he also appreciates the advances it has made in science, from heart stents to airbags in cars. I've always appreciated, as a matter of fact, the wine bottle. It's an amazing, wonderful creation. And yet, what do we do with it? We throw it in the waste paper basket. And then I started looking at coffee cups, like the one I used to get at the mobile station. And I thought, gee, what a beautiful thing. It has a rolled rim, has a seam glued, has a wonderful bottom. It holds hot liquid. It can be printed on, and it's relatively cheap. And I thought, gee, here we are again throwing away the coffee cup. So I started folding, cutting, amassing, connecting coffee cups, adding little tidbits of things to them. So somehow I got introduced to uh, origami. And uh, I have always been a closet folder. I don't fold with anyone else. <clears throat> Typically in an urban area, a, uh, you would have an origami club. And you would meet every now and then and you would fold together. So uh, anyway, uh, a little bit about origami. It, it goes back to uh, 700 AD in Japan. Paper was invented a thousand years ago in China. And early on, uh, paper, when it did arrive in Japan at that time, and then made by other places, not just China, uh, was very expensive. So it was only the elite and the court and the monasteries that had paper. Well, you can imagine sitting around doing your prayers or something with a candle, and you've got a piece of paper, and you're there fiddling with it. It isn't long that you you discover this breathtaking thing that you can fold this square piece of paper in half. And with that fold, it's a revelation. And uh, so it became something like a crossword puzzle. It became a competition, right? The ladies, uh, just like there was a formal tea ceremony, they would gather and they would chat and they would fold their little trinkets and eventually little boxes and so forth. And they also developed these magnificent, beautiful, floral, uh, patterned papers for folding. So uh, that's a little bit, and, and the rules of origami is you must start with a square piece of paper, and there can be no cuts and no uh, pasting. So in other words, everybody starts with the same thing, right? A, rec a square. 
And this makes it a very, very competitive thing. Well, uh, I was thinking the other day that, 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 that when you fold a, 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 a origami paper in half, uh, it's, it's, it's a revelation. You automatically now have two rectangles, and you can fold it further and further and further. There is no end to the possibilities of folding a square piece of paper. Uh, there are people, well, uh, another question I had was, how soon would a child be able to fold a piece of paper in half? And I asked this of a person uh, who had been folding all her life. She is now 80 years old, folding all of her life. How, you know, when could a child fold a piece of paper in half? Uh, and she said, well, I would say I, I would say I could have done it at three years old. Well, at six years old, a child can fold a very, very complex origami. Uh, a crane would be a, a typical thing. So then I began to say to myself, well, could you teach a, 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 a an animal or a, a, a an animal, how to fold a piece of paper. And you immediately think of a chimpanzee. I don't believe you could teach a chimpanzee to fold a piece of paper in half. That may be possible. But, uh, you know, if you wrapped a peanut in a piece of paper, a crow would be able to unravel it and shake the peanut out. Birds can weave pieces of paper or something similar. A chipmunk might chew a piece of paper, make a ball out of it with spit, and line its nest. But to fold a piece of paper in half is just a, it's, it's making, uh, it's giving flesh to mathematics, engineering, materials, art. You see what I mean? Yes. So that, that's what got me started. Yeah, well, that's quite an opening statement. I love it. I'd like to back up a little and okay. just think, you said you always appreciated the wine bottle. And yes. it's such a crime to throw them out. Is it, it's the yes. shape of the bottle, the heft of the bottle, the label on the bottle? You're right. Most of well, us don't think of it. What is it about the wine? Well, well first, first of all, it, it's a miracle, right? You have taken a mineral, silica, you have heated it up, you have probably, well, in the case of the wine bottle, you blow the bottle up into a mold, right? Mm -hmm. Early on, I, early on, I don't know how you would blow a bottle up. I'm talking about, you know, thousands of years. How you would blow it up without steel or iron or some kind of tube to put in the glob of wine in wine bottle glass and blow it up. Mm -hmm. So, so in other words, uh, it, it, it's it, you've created this magnificent thing. It has a top. It pours. You can stopper it. You can put a cork in it or a, a, a marble or anything. You can put a cork in it and lay it on its side where it will not leak. Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't, <clears throat> air doesn't get into it. You can have a wine bottle that's 30 years old. All of these things. And I often imagine what would happen if, you, if, if it was possible 
uh, several thousand years ago, if you could introduce this wine bottle, to, or let's say it, it, it floated up on the ocean, on the shore, if a primitive person ever saw this wine bottle, they would start a new religion because they would be absolutely taken aback by it, you know, after they figured out what they could do with it. Uh, I... And then the court... Because the fact that we just throw it away, right? You have such a vivid imagination. There's actually a movie about a Coke bottle that washes up and, and puzzles the people. But So then you moved on to thinking about what most of us would see as the lowly paper cup, the coffee cup. And yes, what got you interested in that, and what did you what did you create from these coffee cups that you worked with? Well, I still, I think, have one. I cut it, painted it, sewed it together after it became a piece of sculpture, and added an orange button to it. So, in other words, you, I made this thing in itself. And, you know, you, there are many things you can do. I plant plants, and a lot of times I will put in my succulents a little strange thing, some man-made, rusted, encrusted thing to somehow bring the human element to this plant, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what I did with paper cups. Then uh, how I got into uh, origami, I don't know, but obviously I did. Yes, well, you and, came uh, at it in such an interesting way, because I think most oh, yeah. of us, as a child, I got an origami set and went through all the steps, you know, the frog yes, and then the yes, crane. Yes, and yes. here you yes. came to it sort of intuitively because you were so yes. fascinated by objects. And I just wonder if we could take a side trip here before we get back into the paper. Okay. And that okay. is when you mentioned the succulents. And for people that don't know, Paul and his wife, Mardell, for decades have owned and run the Helderledge Nursery on Picard Road. And I often think of that nursery as a work of art itself. <laughs> I love driving by and just kind of glimpsing what you've done there with the landscaping. And if you could just talk a little about uh, your nursery and it, it isn't just like you think of a commercial nursery where, like, the plants are all lined up in a row waiting for people to buy kind of thing. There, there's, like, this artistry in, in how, how it unfolds before your eyes in the different seasons. If you could just talk a little about that, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Well, right now, the, the nursery is diminished. That we're semi-retired. We don't have any employees. I have the largest collection certainly in New York State, of succulent plants. And I all still do favorite perennials. And we do some uh, consulting here and there. But I'll tell you a funny story. Two bicyclists went by, and I was in the weeds. They couldn't see me. And one bicyclist said to the other, this used to be a wonderful nursery when gardening was a thing. Hmm. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I thought, wowee, isn't that something, you know, something that fundamental is, is no longer a popular, I guess he was saying. Well, yeah, that's kind of distressing to me. I would hope it wasn't yeah. a passing right. fancy. I would hope it's an ongoing commitment we have as human beings on this earth. But just yeah. over the years... 
I mean, tell me about like how you came up. It seemed to me very artistic the way you had your nursery set up. I mean, what what went into that? How did you become? How did you choose that as a, as a life's work? Well, uh, both Smadell and I and myself uh, worked for the state of New York, and uh, she got cancer. Uh, breast cancer, and we said, well, why don't we do what we always wanted to do, have a nursery? And that is where it started. And so uh, it, it's very much a reflection of us, right? You, uh, you try to make a pleasant place, which I guess we did, and uh, we are certainly uh, uh, appreciated customers, and uh, they appreciated us. We still see them all here and there, you know. We've had 350 employees over that time, so we have that community also that we still see now and again. But it's um, garden making is, uh, I, I have my quote that I, I thought I stole from a very famous landscape architect. Garden making is sky making. In other words, you are trying to form a place Defined and in scale, defined by the sky, the overhanging branches, and the walls of the garden, in which to find paradise, in which to come home and be in and say, ah, now I'm home, and now I'm in nature, and now I'm, I'm modifying it, right? I'm reading it, I'm changing it. And that's how, uh, that's how it all started. Oh, I just love that. This idea faced with cancer that the two of you together decided do what we always wanted to do. More of us ought yes. to live that way. I mean, yeah. that's 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 a good thing to do at a critical moment in your lives. And it looks like it worked because I just talked to her yesterday and she's alive and well and, um, you know, prospering. So... I'd like to go back even further in your life. What? Tell me where you grew up. And, you know, what was your family like? Um, where did you get your sense of aesthetics? Uh, I grew up in a family of five people, five siblings, in, War, in Rhode Island, which I refer to as the great state of Rhode Island because it has a history that I think is far more interesting and fundamental than New York State. Uh, and um, I would, uh, I very early planted trees, and I would plant a tree, and my mother would be there, you know, and she would squint her eyes <laughs> after they planted the tree. I don't know if you've ever thought, but when you squint, you can see something, right? You can focus on something and so forth. And then she would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And of course, that's what got me interested in plants. And I was always working around the yard. And in front of my house lived a German who was a, uh, 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 a memorial plate designer. And uh, he moved to our very poor neighborhood where he bought a fairly sizable piece of land, fenced it in. And he moved there probably thinking he would avoid taxes, you know. Mm. And I... One time he came over and he said, how would you like to work for me? And of course, that is what I did. And uh, 
and uh, we did we did such crazy things. He uh, had all these spruce trees in the yard, and you know a spruce loses its lower branches, right? Well, every summer I would dig down six feet, dig a hole, then I would dig up the tree with its naked bottom, and then we would sink the tree into six feet, get it down in the ground. Having splashed that hole with a cement, now you would think this is about the worst thing you could ever do to a tree, but they grew, which surprised me. And uh, and uh, I used to do things like empty his uh, cesspool. But wait, wait! I want to understand this planting of the spruce. Oh yes. Uh, I mean, what was the point of putting? Cement in the hole. You would think the roots couldn't get get through to get the nourishment they need if, if it was lined with cement. What what was? The- I guess I guess it was to hold water, but that's the last thing you want to do to plant a tree and have it hold water, right? Yeah. Let alone where is it getting its oxygen? All yeah. trees live, live within the top foot of the soil, right? They send down a taproot. But it's in the top root of the soil where they get their air, where they get their uh, mycorrhizae and bacteria and funguses in which they live uh, symbiotically, right? Right, but so, so these why, trees, why sur- that, that. they survived, these trees you planted well, yes, in your boyhood? Yes, yes, wow. Yes. And I then- Huh. I haven't seen them in 20 years, but yes, of Oh, my gosh. And then um, your mother, I love this story. As a boy, you would plant a tree, and she would just laugh and laugh and laugh. It's because yeah. it, it brought her such joy to think of that? Well, well, the whole ceremony, because I would stand back and squint, you see. I would squint at the tree, uh-huh. make sure it's straight, and look at it. It's just the best side and so forth. And then, of course, she would squint. And of course, she that she thought that was hilarious, right? <laughs> you know, hilarious that she was going to what? What would you call it? Uh, do the same thing I'm doing, you know, yeah. uh, mimic. Yeah. She was mimicking me, and of course, she would laugh and laugh and laugh. She could never stop laughing every time she did it. Oh, that's great! So, so I probably, I probably uh, planted it. Uh, for some reason to, uh, you know, either impress or give her that gift or, you know, who knows what. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. But now you were now going on to say more about your neighbor, and I interrupted you. This German who moved to the poor neighborhood, and he was a m- memorial plate designer. And you started to say something about maybe a cesspool or a septic or what? Yes, yes. Well, I would empty. I would empty his cesspool. With a bucket, right? And we would take it around to the plants and in the vegetable garden and onto this and onto that and so forth. But here's another funny thing. He had this magnificent arborvitae, and it grew and grew and grew over the years. And uh, I used to always say to him, boy, what a magnificent arborvitae. And he would say to me, Volley. Volley was his dash hound that he buried under the tree. (laughs) This was... This was the, you know, who knows what Vali gave to that tree, you know, but that was his answer. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? So, um, what, like, what did your parents do for a living? What was there? My mother was a housemaker and my father was a carpenter. Oh, wow. 
And then after you grew up, what was your first path? that you followed? You know, what did you... Well, uh, after I left my next-door neighbor, uh, uh, there was a man who owned this uh, very old, 100-year-old wholesale greenhouse. And uh, one day he stopped by and said, how would you like to work for me? And so, at I think about 15 or 16 years old, I, I worked for him at the greenhouse, you know, every summer and any time during the week that I could. And then uh, I decided I wanted to go to the university in agriculture. And uh, so John said, well, I will, uh, I will loan you your money every year, you know, so that, you know, I could pay for college. And he would then, uh, you know, t- take it off what was ever left, so. I worked there for many years, and I did all kinds of things, doing funeral arrangements and all kinds of uh, church arrangements, and of course, taking care of the greenhouse, too. Wonderful. So you already had your roots, so to speak, in plants when when you um, married. And how did you and Mardell meet? How How did the two of you get together? We both went to the University of Massachusetts in landscape architecture. I went as a graduate student. I had majored in horticulture at, at University of Rhode Island, and, and that's where we met. And uh, and uh, I was I, I as a graduate student was a foreigner, a migrant, coming into the you know the undergraduate world. Right? I, I did. I took some undergraduate courses at the time, and. Uh, <clears throat> I remember it was in architecture class. Uh, Mardell sat right in front of me, and she always wore her father's white shirt. And I knew she was always immaculate, you know. And I always said, boy, that is it. <laughs> so uh, after, after a year of uh, colluding with all of my friends, there were two adult students, uh, milit- people who had been in the military, returning. To, uh, uh, to college, and then my architecture professor. And we colluded in how I was going to lasso this gym that was in front of me in architecture class every, uh, every you know, three days or so. So finally, uh, after about a year, we went out one night with the architecture professor and the, uh, and the, um, other person, other classmate, and we went to a Tarzan movie. <laughs> a Tarzan in, movie? In, 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 <laughs> yes, in Springfield. Uh-huh. Well, it was Tarzan, and it was also this, it was something, a Greek movie, because my professor was Greek, and it was uh, David and somebody, or I forget what the exact, but it was a Greek movie, and that's how we met. Oh, I, I love it. That's I don't mean. know what you call it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I want my whole life. Mardell says she doesn't know if she wants her whole life. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go back to paper. We'll go back to paper folding. So you've made. So now, I think it was probably later in life that you made this a coffee cup sculpture um, yes. with the orange button. And then, how did you get? How? Why did you? continue pursuing the paper sculptures and how did you come up I think these must be original designs you've made how how do you come up with them uh, well I will quote a famous uh, 
Japanese uh, folder. Her name is Tomiko, Tomiko, just like it sounds, Fusey, F-U-S-E. And I saw uh, not too long ago her, her sitting in the woods, you know, with a field in the distance. And she says, uh, origami, not create. Origami, discover. And of course, in that statement, it goes back to folding a piece of paper in half. Never do you fold or even repeat a fold that you are not uh, delighted. You get the idea? Delighted by the fact that you have given form to this humble piece of paper, which is fragile. It composts, it, it, it rots, it can be, uh, uh, you can't leave it in the sun, you can't leave it around the house because it will collect dust, uh, and all of those things, and, and uh, that, that uh, it, it's, it's a delight. And I, I now fold uh, in Zoom, within in, an international uh, Zoom group from all over the world. And we gather and we fold two, two, fold, two models by one of the members of this group. See? Oh, so you said and that you were a closet folder and didn't fold yeah. with others, but really, well, <laughs> you're part of an yes. international folding group. Well, that's right. This is, but, but, but it's still not like here I am folding with someone, like, you know. In a little group. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see that. But, but there, there, there is that aspect. And I often, uh, we have a uh, chat group after the meeting, which lasts about two hours. And I often say to them that I am basically a closet folder. And uh, because, what you know, language do you speak in this international group? Or oh, you, English. Oh, English. English. They, okay. all, they all speak English uh, with various accents. I see. But remember, these people, the woman, there are people 80 years old that have been folding their whole life. Shizigawa, who actually wrote, uh, designed the diagrams on how to fold a piece of paper. He, uh, he uh, when he died, most of his foldings were never found. You know, he maybe had a hundred left. So he had fold, folded hundreds of thousands of people, pieces of paper. And he even, and they were all traditional. You know, he would fold an elephant or who knows what, a scorpion, a turtle, an owl. And he, uh, he invented wet folding. In other words, he would mist the paper and then you would have this very smooth, wonderful, complex folding, all as a result of the paper being dampened. <clears throat> and do so you do that? Do you use... Do, oh, do you, I do all kinds of... You, when, you, when you fold a piece of paper, you have, you have, um, you have what we call creased it. Mm-hmm. And if you do it, if you do it mountain valley, mountain valley, mountain valley, like an accordion, right? then it's always mountain, crease, valley, crease. For every mountain, there's a crease. Well, uh, I folded your uh, Altamont Enterprise paper, one sheet, in half. 
No, it came to me folded in half twice, right? Mm -hmm. I was able to add another four folds, and I got down to a clump of paper, two by three inches. I could fold, no, that was the restriction of the paper. Mm -hmm. However, there are folds, something like the accordion fold, that if, if you had a, a sheet of paper 300 feet long, you could continue to accordion fold that paper for 300 feet. So when you took this single sheet of the Altamont Enterprise, which is already folded yes. you know, in half yes. and then in half again, and you were able to do four folds, what did you have in mind something you were creating with it? Or no, 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 no. Um, there, there is a thought that you can only fold a piece of paper about about seven times. <clears throat> there are some people that will fold a piece of tin for, uh, you know, fifteen times or thirteen times. One time they folded something. I don't know if it was a piece of paper, piece of paper or what it was on a baseball field using a, 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 a backhoe. And uh, then driving over the back, over the paper, and forming it, in, you know, a, a few times, mm -hmm. like maybe, maybe 15 times. But most papers cannot be folded in half uh, as a square. Now, we're talking about a square. In your case, a, a rectangle. Mm -hmm. Can't be folded in half more than six, seven, or eight times. That's fascinating. Uh, a, piece, a piece of foil. Well, remember, you're folding, you're, you're reducing it by a half, right? Sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's a major uh, <laughs> yeah, thing. That limits you right there. Well, I want to go over this original quote that you gave us from Tamiko Fuse. Is that yes. how you say her name? Yes. Yes. Origami right. not create, origami discover. Yes. Now, remember, she's Japanese. Right, but what does that mean? You're not creating a sculpture? You're discovering a shape uh, within the paper? Well, um, oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, even in the process. I unfortunately can't give you a picture of her cover, which is this breathtaking, five foot wide. She's actually done about ten of these in a gymnasium. And uh, it's it's thousands and thousands of folds. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, uh, you know, some people think, uh, oh, they folded a scorpion, right? Right. And they they made the scorpion, right? <laughs> but but she's saying, and of course she's she's done. You know, she's done with paper what no one else in the world has done. And she, you know, you can imagine, she's folded her whole life, and she comes up with these absolutely stunning, remarkable things. So she and very, very mathematical, engineered, and essentially a matter of angles and uh, and foldings, right? But. The yeah, well, you sent me this fascinate, fascinating article from the Princeton um, Alumni Weekly yes, that yes, has yes. the professor there at Princeton, Paulino, yes. um, having his students fold and then covering yes. the blackboards with the derivative formulas of what seems yes. to be, you know, a simple child's <laughs> pastime yes, right. and really looking at 
the mathematics behind it well, and yes, getting I, them to yes. understand all that goes into it. But what I'd like to do is you, we have a picture um, of you holding two of the sculptures. My cough yes, took this up yes. from the, the library display. And if you could just talk about, like, what went into making one of those? There's one that looks to me, and I'm just riffing here, almost kind of like uh, a sea monster, like looking up. It's an accordion-pleated body, but it seems to have almost a mouth-like structure at its end. I mean, what, what goes into making that? What do you, when you sit down to fold, do you have... What, what happens in your mind? Do you have an idea of what it's going to look like, or do you fold and let things unfold? or ha- Just kind well, of walk us through. Well, well in anything I do, uh, there's a paper, and what happens sort of inspires you. For example, you, the, the crazy thing about paper folding is you can fold a curve, Right? which is, you wouldn't think you could do that, but you can fold many curves. Mm-hmm. And you you can then, paper will spiral, right? So you, you spiral it, you think, oh, gee, isn't that interesting? You know? So all of a sudden, the paper, which you've just played with, has become something else. Because you've come up with this complex fold made out of triangles, <clears throat> And this fold is actually called a Miori fold. This was developed by a mathematician. And to give you an idea, when I talked about how many times you could fold a piece of paper, they have folded foils, which they send up in satellites. And with this fold that you're looking at, you can pull two corners, opposing corners, and poof the thing will open up to its full flat surface. Oh, my gosh. Huh. Uh, uh, the, the heart stint that they put in your heart, that is a piece of origami. That's, that's the der- derivative of that stint. You put it in and poof, it, it, op- it stretches your artery, right, and, and gives it structure. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz or any automobile uh, uh, um, what are we, airbag, is folded so that, you, you know, it can't be folded like what I'm talking about with the enterprise piece of paper because that would be, that would be entangling, right? Mm-hmm. But, but fold, the, using this fold that you see there, folding an uh, a, a airbag, all you've got to do is blow on it and it automatically uh, you know, spreads out and becomes a balloon. There is no resistance. There's no unfolding. It's just like, poof. <laughs> I love that, that poof, and it has such a good practical application in the airbags and cars. So this is, I understand now the triangular fold in the white sculpture that you're holding. In your other hand is a colored paper, uh, yellow and gray, that yes. seems, um, if there were a fourth dimension, <laughs> I'd say four-dimensional, because it seems to go beyond three. Do you want to tell us about that one? And do you use different colored papers in, in oh. different? 
Oh, now you have colored papers and you have papers that are two colors, one on one side and one on the other side. Uh-huh. You can fold a piece to show both colors, if you get the idea. It's something uh-huh. complicated. I think I know what you're talking about. And that is very, that is the kind of thing that interests me. That is, it, it's, it's, it's very similar folding. Uh, for example, if you have an accordion, right? And it's mm-hmm. mountain valley, mountain valley, mountain valley. Well, if you make it mountain, mountain, valley, valley, mountain, mountain, valley, valley, you see what's happening. Then you, if you cross section, you would uh, be hiding uh, two pieces of paper underneath this uh, fold that's, that's exposed. Well, subsequently, you can take that. Now you've done the same thing, right? You've had sort of an accordion. You have uh, uh, pleated uh, Mm -hmm. the paper, and you can then uh, pull it apart as if if fanning some cards. You can fan those those, uh, sort of undo, right, In in a row. You can undo that funny uh, fold that you've made with the hidden two pieces underneath the fold and you can actually make a uh, make a round cylinder out of it. Fascinating. So when you are folding, do you you know, back when I was a child, there were just explicit directions. Here's what you do to make a crane. Here's what you do to make whatever. But it sounds like you're kind of creating as you go along. Do you have in mind what what shape or form it is you're folding or do you kind of discover it as you go? You you have an idea of what you're folding but you don't know where you're going. <laughs> and, sometimes, and sometimes you can say you've made something and it's interesting, right? And mm-hmm. then you say, well, I wonder what would happen if I folded this slightly differently. You see what I mean? Yeah. So you like experiment as you go and come up with. Well, when you're working with this Zoom international Zoom group, um, are you all folding and holding up what you're doing and kind of sharing ideas. How, just tell us a little about oh, how that works. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So people, you see the whatever it is, how many people, and uh, and uh, they're they're all folding. And, and what country? Oh, what oh, countries oh, are they from? India, Japan, Korea, South America, uh, Australia, Israel, Israel, big, Europe, uh, England, big, big. Uh, competitions, uh, annual, uh, uh, what do we call them, annual meetings and what have you, uh, all over the world. Wow. And have you yourself entered any competitions? Is this a thing here in the United States? No. No. No, but there is uh, every year a um, congress uh, in New York City of the American uh, Origami Society. And for four or five days, and there they have classes and the people display their works and you can buy paper and so forth and so on. Have you been to that? I've been to it twice. And what's that like? Oh, just just out of this <laughs> it's out of this world. You know, you go in right to a table. You there's a table of eight people, right? And they're folding. And you're looking at a person who is known throughout the world, right? 
mm-hmm. who, who is teaching this whatever, right? And uh, you can't not stand there and watch. You must sit down and you must fold with the rest of the group. And I'll give you a little story. There was a woman who folded this toad, uh, like a tree toad, and it was absolutely breathtaking. In other words, it, it, it didn't look like a piece of folded paper. It was a toad, an artful toad, you know, perfect color and everything else. And I couldn't get into her class because... Uh, you 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 have to sort of be in in a skew, right? And then they end it. There's only so many people in the class. But anyway, I told her. I met her afterwards, and I said, you know, I loved your toad. I said it was the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. She said, oh, well, sit right down. I told her I couldn't be in the class. She said, oh, well, sit right down. I'll show you how to fold it. <laughs> that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's. A, it's very uh, wonderful group. You know, there's no holding back. There's always sharing. You know. I'll tell you one other thing that I find interesting, and that is the paper itself, right? Paper, you, when, you, when you put your paper between your thumb and finger and you feel it and then you listen, you listen to how it sounds when you put it near your ear. Or you fold, just a little bit of a fold, you know. Or you go someplace. I went in St. Louis, and I was at a bakery. And they had these muffin uh, muffin uh, paper wraps, you know, that you put the muffin in. And uh, I said, but I have one of those muffin rings, or papers. And she gave it to me, and I felt it. I said, oh, God, this is breathtaking. Well, you know... Uh, a, a, uh, when we talk about corrugation, a muffin paper is folded 36 times to go around the muffin, right? Mm-hmm. You get the idea? That's I do. I never that's thought that's of it. it. Cupcake papers, I just plunk them in there. I just... Put, you know, when you put a piece of cloth over a jam jar in order to cover it and then tie it with a knot, well, you have created a circle and you have brought these on a certain uh, angle, right? You mm-hmm. brought them down the side, and uh, you, uh, you 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 made this circle of uh, fabric. The uh, so anyway, I asked someone, where where did the paper come from? And of course, if you ever if you ever ask, for example, if you went into Hannaford and said, how do you like your cash register? And, you know, they've been looking at the cash registers for 20 years. They could not tell you anything about the cash. They couldn't even tell you who made the cash register. See what I mean? So yes, it's all- just considered a mundane part of your everyday yes. life. I myself put muffin papers in muffin tins all the time to bake and never think about <laughs> Never think about all those folds. So, yeah. Having the paper, I then found, said, oh, how do I find the paper? I found the paper in Italy. You can imagine. Wow. This, How did you find it? Well, I just kept going and going. And, find, you know, it's not like she said, better off the box. Oh, it's this company. Uh, you know, you, you keep going until you find it, right? Well, it's a very kind of exotic and specific thing, these brown wrappers for a baker, for a baker, right? So in the baking world... These Italian wraps 
for the for the muffin are uh, you know a known entity. Now, do they make them in America? Yes, they do. But uh, but you know that. Well, once you found this paper from Italy to wrap muffins in, did you procure some and, and make something out of it, or you just were curious to know where it came yes, from? I did. I did. But what it led me to was baking paper. You know, you put your cookies on the baking paper. Right. Oh, right. Baking parchment. Right. Martha was in the background throwing me here. In <laughs> uh, any way, uh, in the same sense, if you take a piece of parchment paper and you you crinkle it up, like make a ball out of it, and put it to your ear, and then you feel it, and then you fold it, and you realize, wow, this is something. Not only that, it's translucent, right? So if I were to form a star with overlapping uh, whatever. Uh, and put it up to the light, it would show this, right, this pattern of overlap. Mm -hmm. uh, there is another thought, you know, getting back to these, these mathematicians and you know, people that do packaging and, you know, engineers and their connection with, uh, uh, with origami. If you take a piece of paper and make a ball, right, what we call crumble it. Mm -hmm. Crumble the paper is it making a spitball, but no spit. Crumble the paper. Now, now you unravel it. Now you've created a crease, a, a crease pattern in that paper, right? And you could actually find and read that crease pattern with a computer. And you may think it's chaotic, but it is not chaotic. It is a function of what happened when you squeeze these papers together. See? Today, now we have uh, people like people in uh, MIT who do computer tiling. In other words, they, they tile paper. They bring tiles up from the paper so that it's no longer... It's flat, but it has a tile coming up out of the paper. <clears throat> they, can not only, uh, they can not only do this, but, you know, it would take hours and hours and hours to crease the paper, right? Mm -hmm. They can now... They can now crease the paper with CNN machines, and uh, you could have 35 feet of whatever you want coming out absolutely perfectly creased and ready to fold. <laughs> <laughs>